You know, I am more excited about this morning than I probably should be. We are starting our series in the book of Proverbs. We're calling Wisdom for Life. And Proverbs is a book, you find it right in the middle of your Bible. It's an Old Testament book of wise sayings, of wisdom. And it's very similar to some other books, um, Confucius is saying, and other wise books, except in one foundational way. So this reason is why I want to encourage you for the next series of weeks to pay attention and to be present because you do not want to miss the unique wisdom that we find in this scripture, in this word. Because the key foundation of the difference between Proverbs and all other wisdom books is this. You find it in Proverbs 1, chapter 1, verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. It's the fear, the reverence, the awe, the trust in God. That's the source of all wisdom. Look, the Lord is the source of the wisdom that you and that I need. The Lord, not us, not interesting principles, not interesting practices, a new way to control your day. No, it is the Lord who is the source of wisdom that you and I need, okay? Before we get in, I wanna pray for us. And now I've got, and I've got seven wise practices for young adults. I'm really excited about this morning. So let me pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are the source of all things that are good. Lord, we affirm that our hearts are broken. Our true north is off. It's only you who can restore us to, tr- to be truly wise. Lord, I thank you so much for our church. I especially thank you for our young adults who have so many decisions to make. Lord, would you use this time this morning, as we study your word, to give them practical steps, wise practices that they can apply to become all you've designed them to be. So Lord, would you do that? I can't do that. No one can do that but you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today I'm going to talk specifically to the young adults in the room. Like talking to you, Annie. I'm talking to Kaylee Smith's in the back. There's a few others out here, the Marlowe kids. Um, I'm talking to you. And what I want to do is imagine that, that Deborah and I had you into our living room. When, when I was a young adult pastor, we would do this regularly. So imagine you're over for dinner. And I'm like, all right, I got to talk to y'all. And I, I, we go in the living room. I pull up the couch and sit down. And I'm like, I'm going to have a little heart to heart with all y'all. Okay. Because... You're facing decisions in your life that will impact the rest of your life. Should I go to college? Where should I go to college? What should I major in? What should I do for a career? Who should I date? How should I date? Should I date? Should I get married? Should I marry this person? Should I marry that person? Should I buy a home? Should I move? All within about a seven-year period. And all those decisions are so, so important. And you're like 19, and you don't know your head from your tail, right? You can barely like, you know, like cook an egg on by yourself. And you're supposed to decide the trajectory of your life. 
Well, I remember when I was uh, in college, I went off to college, and I began to experience that very thing. You know, you go through high school, you got a semester, you got a break, and semester and break, and say you go to college, you got a semester and break, and semester and break, and about your junior year, you start thinking, wait a minute, these semesters are going to end, and then what do I do after that? I remember I was reading a German, it's going to be a little pedantic. I was reading a German philosopher named Martin Heidegger. And he has this concept of Geworfenheit. He says that all of human existence is what he calls thrownness. Like imagine there's a completely pitch black void. And he says existence is just someone just hurling you through space. And you're spinning, you're turning, you're trying to grab onto something to anchor your life. And I think everyone, or I know every young adult experienced that very moment. What do I do? Where do I go? I feel like I have no anchor. And my hope is that throughout this series, and then even this morning, that you will grab hold with all your might, Jesus Christ and the word that he has been given us in scripture, that this will be the anchor of your soul. And this is where you go for wisdom and for discernment for all of the hugely important decisions that you are gonna have to make in the next couple years. So I've got seven wise practices for you that I'm getting from Proverbs chapter one through chapter seven that I think could make a huge impact. It could be life-changing for you as a young adult. And these principles all come from the first seven chapters of the book of Proverbs because it it is King Solomon sitting down with his sons and saying, look, I gotta have a sit down with you, all right? So let's get started. Wise practice number one is avoid, avoid foolish friends. See, this is the very first theme that King Solomon shares with his sons. Look at me at Proverbs chapter one, verses 10 through 16. It says, my son, and this includes my son, my daughter, all of these words are pretty much interchangeable. If sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive in whole. Like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us and we will all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood. Young adults, you cannot avoid the influence your friends have on you, both positively and negatively. See, your friends are one of the primary tools God is gonna use to shape you into who you are. And that could be in a place where you are proud of, and it's a place where you feel like God is using your friends to make you into who he designed you to be or could be in a completely opposite direction. Look, the people you spend your time with will be the primary shapers of your personal customs, 
your qualities, your character, and your patterns. Well, how do you know the character of your friends, young adults? It's not their intentions, it's their actions. So when you say, oh yeah, Tom, he's, you know, he's a good guy, he means well. The Bible says, does he do well? Then he doesn't mean well. We are shown, our hearts are shown by our actions. So if your friends are involved with things that are illegal, using drugs, overusing alcohol, mistreating women, seducing men, being rude or mean to the elderly or those with disabilities, laughing at others' discomfort or misfortune, joking about being wrong, then the wise thing to do is to stop being their friend. Not gently turn them, not be the one source of virtue in the room, right? What the Bible says is to avoid foolish friends. Whoa, wait, 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 I thought you were, Josh, I thought you were always talking about life houses, about who's your one, the people we're praying for to lead to Christ. What about that? Didn't Jesus have, wasn't he a friend of sinners? Yes, he was, but he always brought his Christian friends with him. He didn't just show up and, hey guys, I'm Jesus. We're gonna turn this party upside down. No, he brought with him his disciples to be a new friend group for those who are on the path of foolishness. Young adult, avoid foolish friends and you will be wise. You might say, Josh, then I won't have any friends. <laughs> they're, they're all foolish. That may be the case. That's why we have life groups. If you're like, I gotta drop them off. We have life groups here of people who come together, who commit together to learn about Christ and grow in new life in him. Look, I, you know, when I went to college, I started a life group. I was like, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna start a life group with some people. Didn't really know the people, but God used those relationships in an amazing way. Three of the guys that were in that group were in my wedding and two of the guys married two of the gals, right? Two birds, one stone. I was afraid. <laughs> Join and commit to a life group. That's your call to action. Wise principle number two, discipline your day. Discipline your day. See, there's this insidious idea among young adults that life should be easy and good things should just happen naturally. And I know what you're thinking. You sound old, Josh, right? I'm you know, I, uh, this is not in the notes, but uh, a couple days ago, someone came by to like sell me cable or whatever. And I opened the door and they said, oh, is your dad home? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, like I'm not sure. Yeah, he lives, in, he lives in Canada. I'm like, not a good beginning to your uh, sales pitch. <clears throat> so I know I sound curmudgeon but I will say, this is what we find in Proverbs. Look with me. Proverbs chapter two, verse three through nine on the screen. Yes, if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, those are all action verbs. 
Those are strivings. Those are leaning into the difficulties of your day. When you do that, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. See, wise young adults are disciplined. They work hard. They don't waste their time. Young adults, the days of sleeping, unless you work second or third shift, the days of sleeping till 10 or 11 are over. You need to put that to bed. It's done because God's given you something incredibly special. It's the gifts and abilities and the desires and the season of life that he's given you. Don't squander it. Don't waste it. Right? If you had, a, if you had like a, a, a ticket that was a free ticket to pay off all your student loans and you lost it, right? Like, like you're not going to wash that ticket in the laundry. You'd be like, oh, well, what? No, wisdom is greater than that. And your life is far greater. Christ died for your life, every moment of it. Don't waste it. And you do that, you, not, you, you use what God's given you by disciplining your day. Disciplining your day. Young adults, I will give you a fail-safe way to uh, grow in your career, to, to, to get to the next level. You can take this to the bank. Show up 30 minutes before everybody else at work and leave 30 minutes after. That's an extra five hours of your week. But I'm telling you, you will have so many opportunities in the future. If you discipline your day, you come to work with like, you know, clean clothes, and you know, you got look like you have some level of presentability. You're there 30 minutes before everybody else. You leave 30 minutes after. People from the next generation up and the two generations past that will say, I don't know what this person does, but give them a promotion. A young adult disciplines their day. I'll tell you how this worked out in my college years. So I went to college and I um, had a roommate named Cal. Um, he played video games incessantly. So all night, you know, he had like the headset on, you know, and he'd shoot the zombies till like the middle of the night, every night. And then he would sleep in, he would miss class, and he would do it again the next day. After about a week or two of that, and I'd see other guys in my dorm doing the same thing, I said, I'm not going to be that guy. So I just swore off all video games. I'm just like, I'm not going to play video games. I'm going to use my time in other ways, like, I don't know, studying or exercising. I don't know, reading books, serving at church, right? I swore that off because I knew if I maybe got into that, I feel like it would, it would lay hold of time that I did not want to give to that. Young adults, here is your call to action. Discipline your day. Get a piece of paper or use your iCal on your phone and, and, and write down, when am I going to get up? When am I going to go to bed? And that time needs to be about eight hours, okay? When am I going to leave for work? When am I going to come back? When am I going to eat breakfast? You know, if you're like hitting up the Taco Bell drive through more than once a day, you're probably not schedule, disciplining your day. You're not scheduling your day. Schedule when you'll pray. Schedule when you'll read your Bible. Schedule when you will exercise. If you do this 
simple step, you will be amazed at what God can do with the hours that you've been given. And speak out loud in that, ske- you know, in that schedule. You have, you'll have plenty of free time. But say to yourself, I will allow myself this many hours of social media and Netflix. Like, no one's going to say, I'll only watch Netflix or social media for like 15 hours this week. No one's going to say that out loud without being embarrassed. But we do. We do. Discipline your day and set a limit on forms of entertainment that you'll use. All right. Wise practice number three. Live in generosity. You know, our culture has the assumption that all we have is for our own consumption. Our culture gives us the assumption that all we have is for our own consumption. I earned it, I'll spend it. But the Bible tells us something totally different than that, that God has given us everything that we have, our finances, our abilities, and our opportunities. And scripture says that we owe it to God and to our neighbor to give back a portion of what God has given us. It's not optional in scripture. Proverbs 3.9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. You see, a wise person's standard of giving changes their standard of living. A wise person's standard of giving changes their standard of living. Now, I heard I hear from many young adults saying, you know, I don't really make a lot. I work part-time at the bookstore. I got all this student loan debt, or I, you know, I, I, I'm saving for a house. I can't afford to give right now. That's foolish. That's talking with like what the Bible calls like a fool. You see, your, your level of earning does not establish your standard of giving. Your level of earning does not establish your standard of giving. We see in the New Testament, this rich dude given all this money at church. And then we see this widow who's got barely two pennies to rub against and she gives those to the Lord. And he said, no, of everybody in here, rich dude rolling up with rims or whatever, it's this woman who took the bus She's the one who we should all be like. So if you want to be wise, young adults, you will do this. You will budget your income, and the first line is generosity. And you pray, God, show me what percentage. It's not about amount. It's about sacrifice. Which percentage of my income do you want me to give to you? Is it 1%? 3%, 5 10 15 whatever it is, you write that down, and that's the first line item for your personal budget. And we have ministry, Generous, Generous Life Ministry, to help you go through a budget, to help you walk through, but that first line is generosity. So young adults, here's your call to action. This afternoon, God, how much do you want me to give as a percentage? When he provides that to you, you write that in, and then you adjust your standard of living accordingly. Look again with me at Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then 
your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Generous people are not broke people. God will provide. So young adults, live in generosity and you will be wise. All right, wise practice number four, focus on integrity. You know, much of the young adult life skill or life stage is all about developing skills, professional skills, personal skills, so that you can succeed in life. And those are really important. But skills are no substitute for integrity. Proverbs 3.32 says, Do not envy a man of violence and do not choose any of his ways, for the devious person is an abomination to the Lord. This next phrase is awesome. But the upright are in his confidence. Do you want God to share with you wisdom for your life? Do you want God to say, hey, come here, come here. Let me tell you, this is where you should go. Do you want to be in God's confidence? Then have a life of integrity. You know, I think every life stage, there are different small areas where we fudge on our integrity. Small, simple, seemingly unimportant things. And I, I, there's some young adult areas that I know are especially difficult for them. So I'm gonna share with young adults, I'm gonna share with you just a couple of four areas that you need to be honest and have integrity. One, if you say you will do something, no matter how small, do it. Okay, I was supposed to drop off those, you know, that sweater yesterday or that tool yesterday. I'll, I'll get to it. It's not that important. No. If you say you will do something, do it, no matter how small. If you get asked out on a date and you don't want to go out with that person, say, no, thank you. I do not want to go out with you. Oh, oh, I've got a, I've got a boyfriend in, in Mexico or whatever. Like, uh, well, I, I'm busy that day. Oh, what about Tuesday? Oh, I'm busy too. Just be honest. As a guy on the receiving end of this many times, my single years, I'm thankful, right? Miss some speed bumps, miss some potholes, got a beautiful wife up in the balcony. I'm good. It saved me some time and effort. That's right. Be, ladies especially, be honest. Be honest. If you are invited to a social event and don't want to go, don't lie and say you already have something planned. Because when you bump into that person that day, it's awkward. And it's not honoring. Say, no, I, you know what? I don't think I'll be able to make it. Thank you. And if you say you will be somewhere, show up to that place. These might seem very, very little, but you will be amazed on how when you are faithful with little in the area of integrity, you will be faithful with much. Skills are no substitute for integrity. So young adult, focus on integrity and you will be wise. All right, well, we see in Proverbs chapter one, verse chapter seven, the king's city is doing a sit down with his sons. And then we see chapter six and chapter, and chapter seven making a shift. <laughs> it's like he's going, okay, we got some practical principles. Let me scoot my chair in and listen. We're gonna talk about sex for a little bit. 
okay? I know it's going to be awkward, but it's really important. And that's what we're going to do. The last three principles about being sexually wise. You know, uh, Freud was wrong about a lot of things, but one thing he was really right on is that sexuality and our sexual desires undergird almost everything we do as a young adult. It's always present in situations. And Solomon gives us, in chapter 7, a playbook of seduction. He gives us a story of a, a simple person, someone who's not wise, walking into and being caught in the trap of seduction. And we're going to look through this story, and, 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 and three principles will arise that young adult, if you follow these, you will be so glad because the best and the worst decisions you will make as a young adult are sexual decisions. So let's look at these principles. Wise practice number five, establish your boundaries. Proverbs 7, 4 through 9 says this. Here's that first scene from the playbook of seduction. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend to keep you from the forbidden woman or the forbidden man, from the adulteress with her smooth words. For at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice. I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house in twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness. So here is the author. He's looking through the lattice of his home, and he sees a simple one walking by her house. And we find out later she's a married woman looking for a little activities on the outside. From it. So here he is walking by her house. And it happens to be twilight. It happens to be the evening. You know what this guy's problem is? He hasn't established his boundaries. If this guy was wise, he would have taken the long way home. He would have not even been on her block. He would have not even been in her side of town. He would have completely avoided the temptation. Young adult, what will you and what won't you do? What are your boundaries? What time will you leave the bar? What time will you shut off your internet? What places will you go only with a believing friend? What parties will you not attend? What practices will you not participate in? Look, establishing your boundaries before you need them is so important, especially when you begin to date someone. You know, when Deborah and I were dating, uh, we were starting to get serious, and I um, recognized my own natural, emotional, yes, spiritual, yes, but physical attraction to my wife, future wife, and I knew I wasn't to be trusted, <laughs> okay? So what I did is I wrote a letter of boundaries, emotional boundaries, spiritual boundaries, and physical boundaries that I would not cross. 
and I wrote these arbitrary boundaries out. I committed them to the Lord and I gave them to Deborah and I said, listen, if I break any of these boundaries, know that I'm sinning against you and I'm sinning against the Lord. And I'll tell you, that boundary list saved me. (laughs) It saved me from a breakdown in my relationship with my future wife. It saved me from a breakdown relationship with my heavenly father. And I am so glad that I established my boundaries because young adult, I will promise you this. You are not tough enough to withstand certain sexual temptations. The decision to sin was the decision to be there in the first place. Establish your boundaries. Here's my call to action. Take a piece of paper, put it down. And I wouldn't do this at a coffee shop. We was at home, okay? Write out what I am willing to do and willing to not do. Write out where I feel my most strongest temptation and where it is not. Where will I go and where will I not go? When will I leave? Who will I go with? Who will I not go home with? Write those out and say, Lord, this is my commitment to you. If I break this, I know, I know I'm sinning. Because you don't, the, 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 the lie that, that Satan says is, it's no big deal. It's not against the Bible. But I tell you what, if you never get close, you'll never fall. Establish your boundaries and you will be wise. Wise practice number six, flee from temptation. Proverbs seven, here's the second scene of the playbook of seduction. And behold, the woman meets him dressed as a prostitute or dressed as a woman of, of alluring, alluring woman, wily at heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes, she seizes him and kisses him. And with bold face, she says, I had to offer sacrifices and today I have paid my vows. So now come out, so now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly. I have found you. So here we go. It's a man or a woman dressed to kill, overly flirtatious, comes up and says, oh, hey, hey, I just got back from church. I had a vow and I fulfilled it. Oh, hey. And she begins to flatter and he begins to flatter and the trap is set. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 2 Timothy chapter 2 talks about sexual temptation. It doesn't say resist temptation. Doesn't say stand up to temptation. Doesn't say be strong in temptation. It doesn't say endure temptation. It says to flee from temptation. Run. Go. If you're at dinner, with some girl you just met and you feel something come up, get up and go. (laughs) Throw money on the table, I gotta go. Throw the credit card to the waiter, say I'll get this tomorrow. Get up and leave, flee, get out of there. Won't that be weird? It doesn't matter. Get up and get out. 
You have to flee from temptation. Where are you tempted? What time are you tempted? What place? What person? What circumstance? Is it well, someone on your softball team? Quit. Is it that waitress at your favorite restaurant? Get a new favorite restaurant. Is it a coworker? Transfer. It is this important. Flee from temptation. Ooh, what if she calls? Don't pick up. <laughs> what if he texts? Don't text back. What if he comes knocking on my hotel door at a business trip? Don't answer the door. Wouldn't that be rude? I mean, I don't want to be rude. Listen, it's better to be rude than to be ruined. The decisions you make this season of life, when your sexuality will establish you or will, it will ruin you. Young adult, flee from temptation and you will be wise. All right, number seven, count the cost. Chapter seven, verse 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. Ox doesn't know what's, happen, what's, what's gonna happen. As a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. You know, I often get asked the question with young adults, how do I know if I should marry this person? I don't know if I should date this person. I tell them their history is their trajectory. Their history is their trajectory. What were they like in the past? That's probably what they're gonna be like in the future. And as a young adult, you've got two options. You can look for a good time or you can look for a good life. And a good time is for the night, but ultimately costs you more than you're willing to give. But a good life is won by those who are wise sexually. Look, you compare this final scene of the playbook of seduction to chapter six, verse 26. It says, for the price of a prostitute is only a loaf of bread. But look at this last phrase. But a married woman hunts down a precious life. What scripture is saying that if you are wise sexually, if you honor God with your dating life and he brings into your life someone to marry, that spouse will hunt down a blessed life for you. I see it all the time. I see these dudes that, you know, they don't, maybe aren't the most handsomest dudes, right? Maybe they're not the most, have the most glittering personality, but they honor the Lord with their life, and then they end up dating some guy, gal, way out of, her, out of his league, you know, and I meet with them like, oh, you guys are dating. Oh, okay, you know, try to put the two to two together. And then they honor the Lord with their, their life, and they get engaged, and I usually do the wedding, and then you see how a precious life is hunted down by a spouse. And I've seen the same thing where a precious life is hunted down by a husband for the wife. And I begin to see how they both grow into who God designed them to be. 
And oh, it's a joy to see young adults who don't have a sexual past and they get married and they stumble along learning how to get to know each other sexually. But then the relationship blossoms and children come and they have a blessed life. But I will say, young adults, you know, the vast majority of young adults I counsel, both of them have a sexual past. But I will say this. If you live, set, you live wise, live according to God's design today, starting today, God is a restorer. He's a forgiver. He's a giver of good gifts. And blessed life is offered to you. Young adults, count the cost. Count the cost and you will be wise. All right, well, let's, let's review these seven principles. One, avoid foolish friends. Two, discipline your day. Three, live in generosity. Four, focus on integrity. Five, establish your boundaries. Six, flee from temptation. Seven, count the cost. Which one pricked your heart? <laughs> Which one pricked your heart that you need to take that next step this afternoon? Let me close with this. I think we can all look at these, uh, this list and say, this is, this is good, this is, this is wise, but what makes it Christian? What makes this distinctively about Christ? You know, Aristotle, you know, he's a third century uh, Greek philosopher in his book, Nicomachean Ethics. It is the foundational book on ethics and virtue in the Western world. And he said there are five virtues, and the, the highest virtue is wisdom, called uh, Sophia. And that's the, the greatest, so, so pursue wisdom, just like some of the Proverbs is saying. But we see the Apostle Paul. He knows all about Aristotle, knows all about Plato, but he talks about a different set. He does not minimize these other virtues, but he says, hey, there's something else. There's, there's faith, there's hope, and there's love. You see, these virtues are acquired. We can learn how to do these, but these virtues are infused. They're from the outside. You see, without faith, hope, and love, from the outside, we can never become who God designed us to be. We can act wisely. We can parody what it looks like to be someone who has it all together, but ultimately our hearts are what we need restoration in. Ultimately, our hearts, our true north are broken. They're skewed. They're pointing in the wrong direction. And until we put our faith and trust in Jesus, until he gives us faith and hope and love by his Holy Spirit, we can never become truly to the core of who we are, who God designed us to be. Ezekiel 36 says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and what cause you to walk in my statutes and be, be careful to obey my rules. You know, maybe you're here, it's a young adult this morning, and you're like, I don't, 
all seven of these, I'm like chief breaker of these rules. Well, maybe you have never received a new heart. That's the first step. All you have to do is to receive a new heart is say, Jesus, I'm a fool. I need you. I need your wisdom. I need your forgiveness. I need a new heart. Would you give me a new heart and give me the wisdom that I know I need? And maybe you're there. And, or maybe you just want to ask or answer, have some questions answered. Maybe you just want to talk to a pastor. In your response card, in your bulletin, in the seat back in front of you, just say, talk. And put your name and a way to contact you. And I would love to personally connect with you if you're a young adult. And talk with you about how you can grow in wisdom from the Lord. Well, I hope these seven principles have been helpful for you. Uh, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that ultimately it is your wisdom that we need. It is the wisdom that comes from you that is necessary to live a life that we know we want to live and a life of who you designed us to be. So Lord, would you prick our hearts so that we can apply these principles in our lives so that we can live as wise young adults, as people who are wise to give us opportunities to serve you and to serve others in the future, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.